Phantom Sway. We're full of good stuff. Like that restaurant where you can get never-ending bowls of pasta. Man, that's so good. Ugh, I'm hungry right now. So, so hungry. PhantomSway.com Hello and welcome to another episode of How Inappropriate, right here on the Phantom Sway Network. Uh, this is the podcast where we ask, could this movie get made today? I am your host, Kira Allen, and I am joined today by two great friends of mine. Uh, I'd like to introduce to you Sarah Smith of How Creative Productions. Sarah Smith, how are you? I'm very well. How are you doing, dear? I'm great. I'm so glad to have you on. Uh, oh, I've been, so glad to be on. I've been talking a lot about um, my my project with James Lanka, Minty, that is in post-production right now, and uh, really excited. And Sarah was such a great buddy. She came, she flew to California, not for our project, but she was doing other things and said, let me come down to the set and help you. And she was such a huge uh such a huge help on the set and I'm really excited for you to see the product that we've ended up with Sarah and thank it, you so it was, much oh it was my pleasure it was so much fun to watch you guys work and I can't I can't wait to see it I can't wait to see how it all turns out I'm really excited about it yeah I don't know if I'm excited or terrified <laughs> But, it's okay to be a little bit of both, a little from <laughs> column A, a little from column B. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you so much for, for joining us tonight. And then, of course, we've got Brad Slager, who's a, a culture writer and politics writer. He also is, a, he does some guest writing over at one of our previous guests, Christian Toto's site. Brad, welcome to the program. Thank you much. Looking forward to this. I've got a piece I'm working on for Christian right now because I do a thing called a DVD autopsy where I basically shred a horrible movie that either went to theaters or never made it to theaters. I love and it. He, um, for some reason, he puts up with my nonsense like that, and it cracks me up all why the more because he's a, such a... Why isn't it a podcast? Why isn't, mean, it, why, uh, yeah, why isn't DVD autopsy a podcast? It really should be. It, it sounds like it would be a good a good podcast. Yeah, probably could be. I've uh, you know right now it's more a matter of time. Oh. But uh, yeah, I've got oh. uh, you know so many irons in the fire as well as a you know normal boring day job. But yeah, those suck. Well, you know, I've just actually, add it to the to do list, and I'm yeah. sure it'll eventually. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, my family resents me anyway, so sure. we'll sure. take it all the way down the road. <laughs> well, thank you for taking the time for us tonight. Uh, we are doing tonight the 1994 classic PCU, starring Jeremy Piven and David Spade. This movie was not even on my radar. I'll tell you why. Because. There are some movies that I don't want to do on this show because they are intentionally offensive. And the premise of how inappropriate is to take a movie that people used to love and break it down in, into, and talk about all the ways that you could never make this movie today. But Sarah texted me and she was like, dude, you have to do PCU. And I was I've, like, yeah. Yes. yeah. Well, I've long said that PCU is the Nostradamus of our generation. Like... That this movie has outlined so much for us as a, in our in our generational like culture that they just called it all. They called it all, all of it in one movie. I hadn't seen it in a really long time. I mean, 
maybe a decade or more. So, uh, yeah, so I thought, you know, that would be a fun one to do. I felt like I was taking maybe a little bit of a risk doing it because, again, it is kind of already lambasting the PC culture and that's kind of the culture that we talk about on the show when we talk about the movies. Sarah, I'm, I already know the answer to this question, but why don't you tell our listeners, um, have you seen this movie before? <laughs> I have. In fact, I caught the last, I, oh God, I caught the last maybe 15 or 20 minutes of this movie when I was probably about 13 years old, 14 years old. We had just gotten cable at my house. <laughs> it was on Comedy Central. And it was back in the days when you got the TV guide every week. And I caught the last, the very end of it and just laughed the entire time. And I'm going, what is this movie? I had never even, you know, heard of it. And I lived sort of a quasi-sheltered child, so I wasn't that surprised I'd never seen it. So I looked up the name of it. And as the weeks followed, I would find it in the TV guide, like in the index, and watch it. Because, you know, kids out there listening, you couldn't just record movies right. if you wanted to watch them. And there was no internet just to watch it. So I obsessively would watch this movie every time it came on based on my TV guide. And over the years, I mean, I'm right now I'm holding my VHS copy of it. <laughs> I, have, I have a TV VHS that I travel around and carry with me from apartment to apartment. I move a lot, everybody. Um, that is to watch this and maybe like a half a dozen other movies that I've never transferred to DVD and I have to have in my life. That's hysterical. I love, love that I could probably quote it for you guys from memory just we could just run it down well we might give you the opportunity (laughs) brad what about you have you seen this movie before oh sure numerous times this was um you know back in the day it was kind of on heavy rotation i think once it hit cable like on comedy central and others and it would just every so often pop up and you know i adored it because i i've been plugged into the pc or anti-pc culture since the first george bush administration you know i i kind of fault him for allowing pc culture to even take root in our society i don't think he beat it back enough i just i think he kind of saw that wave coming and got it got out of the way and it became entrenched as a result so this movie was really kind of a uh, you know at the time it was kind of a catharsis and you were like thank god somebody else gets it uh yeah i had seen it in college, I believe, which would have been, I graduated college in 96, <laughs> so long ago, um, and probably saw it on VHS, you know, somebody rented it. It wasn't big in the theaters, but it, it's one of those films that gained a cult following over the years. Um, and I just remember being a huge fan of Jerry, Jeremy Piven, so I remember seeing it, but uh, looking for it to watch again for this podcast, I didn't realize till after I had agreed to do the movie that it's not available online. So No, it is not. It's not. So, Sarah, you have a VHS cup. You actually have a VHS player just for this movie. Yeah, yeah. I have this. I have uh, PCU, Throw Mama from the Train, Uh, just a handful of uh, movies that I have I own on VHS, so I can't get rid of this TV VHS player for those specific reasons. How do you find it, Brad? What? Um, you were mentioning it, and I started to root around and found out the same thing, and I just basically broke down and did the eBay thing and said, ship it. Wow. I had to watch a Bobo copy on YouTube. Some, like, <laughs> somebody filmed it, like um, pirated it at the theater. Like You could see the edges of the purse that they recorded it through. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was a terrible. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes. But it, I the only know, way to watch a movie. Well, it's hilarious, and and I, you know, it wasn't 
that bad because I've seen the movie a million times before. So I just needed to brush up on it. But I was I didn't feel like I was missing anything because I've seen it so many times. But this this movie, for those of you who may not know, will just this is uh, filmed in 1994. PCU. Um, stands for Politically Correct University, and it's kind of a send-up of the politically correct culture that, as Brad was saying, kind of was swept in in the 90s, particularly during the Clinton and Bush administrations. It was uh, maybe the, the next evolution of the, the, the hippie uh, Mother Nature crowd. Um, and Jeremy Piven who we all know now as Ari Gold from Entourage, stars in this movie. David Spade is in this movie. And it's really just... Jessica Walter is in Jessica this Jessica Walter from Arrested Lucille Development. Lucille Bluth. Right, like, I mean, oh, oh, so good. So good, yeah. Great, great cast. And there's not a lot to it. It's just John Favreau is in the movie. Yes. Yes, uh, yes. John Favreau of, of course, Swingers, Iron Man, uh, directed Iron Man... Um, chef movies hmm. like that. Yeah, he's a prolific director and writer now. Um, and we get to see him shirtless. Yeah, Thank shirtless and, and uh, picking his nose at one point as yeah. well. You you get the best of him. Young John Favreau, actor John Favreau, before he just like gave up and was like, "I'm just gonna be fat John Favreau. It's fine." Yes. Yeah. So it's. I mean, there's not a lot. There's not a whole lot of plot to this movie. It's not very long. I mean, it's a little over an hour. So right. I, it's it's just kind of straightforward. But um, it it really is just about this kind of preppy high school kid who goes to this college for a prospective weekend. Like the a lot pre-frosh. of a lot the prefrosh, like a lot of us did, <laughs> um, and went to check out checks it out for the weekend and and ends up staying in the pit which is the crappy kind of rebel loser dorm on campus. And that's where he meets Jeremy Piven, who is his guide for the weekend, and discovers all of the different groups on campus that can uh, be annoying in your life. And it's, it's just kind of a send-up of, uh, send of PC culture. That's all it is. There's not a big plot except that the pit has to raise $7,000 so that they don't get kicked off campus because they owe all these fines. And Jessica Walter is the the campus president, the school president. Um, what was her name? Garcia, Miss Garcia Thompson? Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Miss Pre- President Garcia Thompson. Miss President Garcia Thompson. Um, she was woefully underused. Oh, yeah. Oh, she really was. Yeah, she well, really was. It's too bad. Um but yeah, so we open up, we see this young preppy uh, um, prefrage high school senior traveling on the bus. And he, you know, he's obviously traveling to a college campus and he's excited as most of us are before we get to college. We don't know what it's going to be, but we have all of these ideas about what it's going to be. This guy is played by Chris Young, who was kind of like the 90s boy next door. Uh, you can see him in a lot of stuff. I actually did. I'm going to admit this now. I did have some Chris Young posters in my room. In the really? Room. Yeah, in the late 80s and early 90s. I don't know what it was. I can't even tell you what I saw him in, but he, he was, was so scrawny. And so, I mean, I, don't, I, don't know. I was kind of into all, that. Yeah, we all have our types. 
Yeah, at that time I did. It was because I was still trapped in rural Canada, so I didn't. I hadn't really gotten out yet to see like other kinds of men. So I really was into that. Well, scrawny. because we all know Canadian men aren't really men. They're not. <laughs> well, if they don't have skates on. Right, right. under the rare exception, when they put the skates on, it's a whole different story. Well, Canadian guys have a look that I don't, even to this day, I don't really like. And it's something in the jaw, like the, um, and I'm talking about white guys, because now there's a bunch of Canadian, like, you know, Canada is a very diverse country now. But when I was a kid in Canada, like, I didn't know any other black people. I didn't know, I certainly didn't know any Asians. Like, everybody was just, everybody was white. Everybody was white when I was growing up. And all white Canadian men have what I call a soft chin. Where, and the Brits have it too. British men have it too. And I don't like it. And it does something to the way they set their mouths that really bothers me. Anyway, no, that's a that is a real thing. Absolutely, thank 100% you. Agree with, yeah, thank no, you. Yeah, the chin and the jaw is all very important. Yeah, and I can spot a Canadian dude on American TV a mile away. And, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know right away. I'm Soft like that chin. guy's got a Canadian chin. I'm not going to watch this. I'm not going to do it. My only exception, <laughs> my only exception is I will watch um, any Hallmark Christmas movie, and those guys are all Canadian. But I put up with it because. It's Hallmark Christmas movies. So fair enough. Which I love. Anyway, well, you uh, speaking, next week I'll start of, my uh, <laughs> Canadian actor podcast. Yes. And speaking of scrawny white men, that's exactly like who have didn't I've never met any black people is probably like what this prefrosh I mean that's his, that's him. That's his character. Right. Like that's who we're talking about. Is this like scrawny little and he's in his dockers and his uh, khakis and his loafers, and he's coming because he thinks he's going to ke- uh, see fraternity lifestyle on a college campus. Yeah, I mean, you it's have all very kinds of sweet. preconceptions about what college is going to be like. Exactly. And so, um, I think his name was Tom, just something generic, like he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom ends up in the pit, and we're, we get introduced to some of the people in the pit, and he walks into the pit, he opens the door of the dorm, and it's chaos. There's that band playing. It's such a great shot. The band's playing. People are smoking weed. You know, people are drinking, rollerblading, lots of rollerblading going on. Uh, This is the time when, and it's kind of coming back now, unfortunately, but this is the time when flannels were used as accessories. You tie them around your waist. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And he goes to Jeremy Piven's room, and Jeremy has fallen asleep with a joint in his mouth. As one does, um, that's a terrible waste of weed. I don't know, but well, no, that was actually was right it a neck. cigarette? It was a cigarette. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was, it was a, a joint. See, no, I couldn't tell the filter. And that's one of the <laughs> yeah. things. And that's one of the things you lose when you watch a uh, uh, a purse shot. Per, exactly, <laughs> purse shot. That's it. <laughs> this is one of the things that you can't do today. You cannot have somebody smoking in movies. Oh, especially well, indoors. Can you imagine? Yeah, almost. I think uh, Samuel L. Jackson was maybe the last one to do it and get away with it. I don't know. Jurassic I Park. still see a lot of smoking in movies. Well, only they, they use it now to establish the villain. Yes. That's always the short end. Or the otherwise, yeah. Yeah, if, if somebody smokes on screen nowadays, guaranteed bad guy. Yeah, it's not casual. Mm-mm. Yeah. 
No doubt. Well, we meet Jeremy Piven. And I have to say, you guys, I, I, in rewatching this, I truly believe that this is the Ari Gold origin story. I think that this is Ari, who Ari Gold was in college. Now, do you guys watch Entourage or have you watched Entourage? Yes. Sure. Yes. And that's his penultimate role. Here, Ari you're Gold. kind of blowing my mind right now. Uh-huh. Like I'm not gonna was, lie, like I'm a little speechless. <laughs> I was rewatching it too, and I just said this. And this is also Piven establishing that character. That just uh, it's not so really hyper caffeinated, but he is very demonstrative in bursts, mm-hmm. and he and he just has that staccato delivery. And uh, and I just had to crack up too when he first woke up. It was me looking at a 37 year old collegian. I know he's so old. <laughs> He's so old. I don't know how he, what old he was in this movie, but I, I mean, I followed Jeremy Piven through his whole career. I mean, I'm a, I have a theater degree, and so when I was young and dumb, I was really into theater and uh, lived in Chicago. And the Piven family at that time owned the Chicago theater scene and kind of still does. So Piven's kind of royalty. He's kind of theater royalty. So I've even seen him on stage, you know, when he was young. Him and Cusack came up in the Chicago theater scene. And he has always looked 37. Even when he was 17, yep. he, his hairline was always receding. He just always seemed like a, a man. <laughs> well, yeah, it was in one of those early Cusack movies, too. And I think he was wearing a hat probably for that reason. You know, he was like the oh yeah quasi hipster type with the hat and the trench coat. Was that say anything? I think it was. Um, yeah, it might have been say anything. Yeah, it yeah. Wasn't the sure thing. Yeah, yeah, yep. He's just one of those guys, and this might be this might be one of David Spade's final college roles. Because at a certain point, when was Black Sheep? Let me look that up. Because I don't know. Well, they did. It was Black Sheep and Tommy Boy. He did all those, but I think I'm pretty sure those were both after this. I think I'm pretty sure it went Tommy yeah. Boy then Black Sheep. Black Sheep was 1996, so that was the movie yeah. that I clearly remember Spade saying, "This will be the last time I ever play a college guy. I'm too old, <laughs> and the, there's too much makeup that they have to put on me <laughs> to cover up how old I am." But yeah, this is when he's getting to the end of it. Even Spade's starting to look a little weathered at this point. But, and they're sort of able to get away with it because technically he's kind of supposed to be this older guy. Maybe even he's already graduated. Like he's sure. kind of like the, you know, he's working with the president to get something done. Like he's more in charge of the frat than anything. Like I don't even know that he's even a student anymore because they were freshman roommates. He and Jeremy Piven were freshman roommates. That's and right. There's that whole great flashback scene. <laughs> but then you, but then you find out that Jeremy Piven is like a, you know, it's his seventh or eighth year or whatever it is. So David Spade obviously hasn't done college for seven years. That's not what a, his character would do, but he would hang around the college because he's still, he's the big guy. He's important there. So you get this sense that David Spade is just sort of stalled out in his senior year in college and has never moved on, which makes his character even funnier throughout this because no, he's just trying right. to insert, assert some sort of like power over this frat and get this new kid, this pre-frosh. They got to recruit him. I mean, and David Spade in this movie, he plays the uptight, buttoned-up Republican wet blanket, and that is, he really uh, that was his bread and butter through the '90s. 
And it's so funny because if you didn't know that and you are just a fan of David Spade in the last decade or so, you would know the David Spade as the aging Lothario, you know, the guy who's always like getting all the hot chicks and he's like, can't keep his dick in his pants and he's like, you know, doesn't want to settle down. And it's like, that is not the guy David Spade played (laughs) through the 90s. Uh, he really should have had his own line of blazers in the 90s. Totally. And ties. Mm-hmm. He just had that, uh, he just hit that look a number of times. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, so it was just kind of fun to see him back in fighting for him. And then, of course, he's got his great, uh, this great, great partnership with Chris Farley, where he really perfected the uptight <laughs> guy, uh, R.I.P. Chris Farley. But, um, yeah, so we see Tom, he, he bursts in on Jeremy Piven, wakes him up. Piven realizes, oh, shoot, I'm supposed to mentor this guy for the weekend. And there's this great little snippet, this little monologue that he has about giving him college advice. You know, because Tom says, hey, I'm here. You know, i got to find out what college life is like. And Sarah, since you know this movie so well, do you know some of the advice that he gives him? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, one of one of the best lines that he, one of the best lines of advice that it gives him is, um, you know, college now nowadays you can major in Game Boy if you know how to bullshit, right? Yes. So he had this whole bit that he was because originally, as he wakes up, he assumes this person's here to buy a paper or something from him. So he lists off all the things that he has available in his magic closet of tricks to sell to these, you know, students, and he, so he can drink um so once he realizes that he's a pre-frosh he closes it real fast and he's like well let me just you know give you some advice um and he obviously one of the big themes in this is sort of the passing of the guard right so the the old uh uh fraternity culture is dead right they this this particular university has outlawed fraternities uh in 69 i think it was so it's been 25 years here at this university they don't even have frats anymore um and so he is sort of teaching him the new game, which is PC. And it's, you know, uh, what's the other one? We, we no longer uh, swill, ser- uh, swill sherry and screw goats for fun anymore. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of really great jokes about, like, old guard college stereotype living, which is amazing. Uh, yeah, and then he takes him. That's when he takes him out to explain to him all the different politically collect- correct groups. And he breaks everybody down. There's he, the Save the Whales people, the gays in the military people. Well, he also Nelson tells them you're a people. freshman, so girls are off the table. Yes, you don't forget, have a car. Uh, forget about one, it. Nothing before 10. Yeah. One guy on your floor has a car. Make him your best friend on the first day. Yes. That's a great one. That And these are all, these are actual good pieces of advice. No, they're excellent get. pieces of advice. As a matter of fact, my son is 16 and he's starting to think about college. And that one of the things I told him was uh, if, if you do go to college, it's not a requirement in our house. You just have to have a plan. But if you do go to college, uh, don't book a class before 10 a.m. <laughs> so you will regret it. Everyone thinks it's going to be a good idea because you're going to get that credit out of the way, you know, and then you got the rest of your day. Trust me, you will curse every day <laughs> you have to get up. It's the worst. Do not book a college is. course before 10 a.m. at the earliest. Yes, because that means you have to wake up at 930. Yeah. To get across campus. And you like might think... Early. You might think now that you might be listening to this in your high school and you might think, well, 930 isn't so bad. I mean, I go, I get up for school at 530, you know, like my son's got 
what we have what's called zero period here in Orange County, and that starts at 6.30. So he's up at 5, 5.30 every day. You might think 9.30, that's not so bad. It is. Once you get to college, it is. Because you're not going to bed at 10 o'clock in college. Yes. Yeah, no, that is probably the best piece of advice he gives him, too. Absolutely. And as you say, Sarah, so he takes him out and he sees all of the, you know, the cause heads, you know, all of these different Oh, and, oh, and the, um, even before that, he ta- that's when we meet John. This is when we meet John Favreau's character. And we have the mm-hmm. great don't be that guy scene, which is this, that's like the final piece of early advice he gets because he tries to dump him off on uh, uh, Gutter. 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 Tries to ju- dump him off on Gutter because... You know, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to actually babysit this kid for the weekend. And Gutter's getting ready to go to a concert. He's going to see um Merkins. Oh, Merkins. Oh my god. I love oh, that band name. Yes. And he's wearing the t shirt. And Draws goes to him and says, You're wearing the band of the t shirt. You're don't wearing the t shirt of the band you're going to see. Like, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy is still I mean, people still use yes. that. that. This is this is <laughs> a that this is that was the birth of a a cultural icon right there. Don't be that guy. Absolutely. And that's a huge life lesson, not just for college. Don't no, and I still guy. use that. I mean, when I, so I had, I had forgotten about that. And when I was rewatching it and he said that, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, this is a cultural moment. This is a, this is a cultural shift. We still use this. I love it when we like, we get to do a lot of cool older movies on this show. And sometimes you do, you hear lines that you realize have become a part of the lexicon and you don't know where they started. And this is one of those lines. Now, here's a little interesting uh, bit of trivia for the listeners. Um, the director, uh, Jeremy Piven, infamously complained that the director wouldn't let him improv. And he's a big improv person. I mean, he's got comes from the theater background and all of that. So he brings that to all of his roles. And the director would not let him improv. And this was one of the few improv lines that he was allowed to to put yeah. in there and that was his and it Jeremy just Piven actually wrote yeah. this line yeah, yeah. and yeah. it just kind of speaks to his talent as an artist or you know as an improv artist or just that charm he has because he's also responsible for hug it out bitch you know and that's a Jeremy Piven improv line and it's a line we still use to this day is it really? Was he? That was an improv. That moment? was an improv that. line. That oh, was an improv cool. moment. Yep. Very cool. Yeah. Well, you were mentioning Ari Gold's genesis here too. I think this scene really is as much a touchstone of Ari Gold because he's talking to both guys at the same time and he's just unloading information, you know, in that automatic or semi-auto fashion of his, you know, you got a cigarette. Okay, this is what you got to do. Wait, you're wearing this shirt. What are you doing? You don't, you know. And he just kept going. In that delivery that he uses for Ari Gold is pretty nice to see it. Lloyd! That's what we needed there. (laughs) Lloyd! No, I I agree. It is classic Piven and watching him do that with Favreau. Yeah, yeah, it's like, don't be that kind. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I'm sure my kids say that and they don't know. Yeah. Yeah. They have no idea where that comes from. It's just a part of the cultural lexicon. It's the same way they use uh, yada, yada, yada. They use it all the time. They saw it on somebody's um, license plate one day, and they were laughing. They're like, "What kind of idiot puts that on their license plate?" And I'm like, "Well, that's from a show." And they're like, "What?" 
And I'm like, yeah, yada, yada, yada. It's from Seinfeld. And they're like, what? I, what's Seinfeld? They had never heard of Seinfeld. <laughs> I know. <laughs> right. And you think, because things like yada, yada, yada live are bigger than yeah. Seinfeld. So you can't even imagine, you think about how big Seinfeld was. And you're yes. like, oh, okay. I keep telling them they need to watch it. And they're going to be shocked at how much of the language they use <laughs> comes from the oh, sure. show. Sure. Yeah. No soup for you. They don't know where that comes from, but they say they say some iteration of it all the time, and they their minds were blown when I told them what it was from. Yeah, yeah but well, there are moments when I'm watching kids shows where the kids shows will pull a quote from some sort of movie or show or something that I know that you know the kids that are watching this show don't get. But like it's it's nice like that's how things like that are birthed. These funny little. Um, um, uh, homages homages yeah what's, homage what's the yes. proper phrase there? homage, homage. to homage. what's the plural of homage um plagiarism <laughs> so i think i was watching a you know one of those teen titan goes or something and one of the characters used a quote from some movie from the 90s and i was cracking up and the kids didn't realize like didn't understand why i was laughing so hard that's stuff like that like yeah that's how it happens. It just sort of finds its way. Oh, yeah. And those people, yeah, the people like us who watched these movies in the 80s and 90s grow up to write the kids' shows. And then the kids' yeah. shows are just, like, filled with Easter eggs. I mean, I when my son was little, SpongeBob was a huge thing, and I loved that show. And Peaky and the Brain was another show like that. And there's a bunch of shows on TV right now, as we speak, that are Gravity Falls and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just stuffed with adult references um, that are actually a pleasure to watch. Uh, Fairly Odd Parents was another one that was like that. that oh, show yeah. Was weird. Yeah. Um, so we go, we, we see um, Draws is Piven's character's name. He's taking Tom through the dorm. He's showing, you know, introduces him to Gutter, which is John Favreau, looking very young. I, I guess this is probably... Right, it was he probably filmed it before um, Swingers. Um, Yes, but it may have come out after Swingers. I don't know the timeline. It's right around that time. They're both the same time. Well, I think this one actually. I think the studio parked this on a shelf for about a year or two. Yeah, so that's what I mean. Like it may have been filmed before Swingers, but came out after Swingers. Because I, I feel like I remember, I knew who he was when I watched the movie. The Swingers was what ninety six or seven? It had seven. to have been ninety six. Ninety six and yeah. yeah, I think ninety six or ninety seven. I remember well, that's going probably where um, after he and Alex Desart met probably at this movie, and he yeah. was in Swingers as well. Oh, that's right. That is right. And oh. this was yeah no this had to have been much before because this even came out in ninety four you know this was all yeah this was before Swingers I don't even know if he did anything before this. Before PCU. No, you may be right. You may be right. Well, here we go. I love it when we get to see, like, the the debut of, of people that we know and our household names now. Like, Yeah, I'm uh, actually going to pull up his IMDb right now. I'm yeah. Sorry. We did, I did Animal House last week with uh, Christian Toto and, uh, no, I'm sorry, not Animal House. Um, Cannonball Run I did with John Grace from Midnight Movie Cowboys. And Jackie Chan is in that movie. And that movie mm-hmm. is, was made in 1981. And so it was Jackie Chan's debut, and it was just, like, so fun oh, to wow. see. Yeah, it's so fun to see this stuff, to see these people. Um, 
did, he did. Well, the whole he reason did. for that is he was so big in Asia yes. at the time, and oh, Hal Needham directed it, so he was very familiar with Jackie Chan because of the stunts, and that's where Hal Needham came from. So he he had a very intimate knowledge of him. It, he brought him over specifically to start introducing him to America. Yes, and if you would like to know everything, everything about Jackie Chan, Hal Needham, and the Asian film scene, you need to listen to our Cannonball Run episode because John Grace knows everything. I did not cut one wow. second. That episode turned out to be two hours long because I <laughs> was fascinated. John knew it was, it's probably one of my favorite episodes I've ever done. I could have gone three hours. I mean, he just knew every single detail. He's got some really fascinating anecdotes and stories and, and really some really interesting background, particularly as it pertains to Jackie Chan and his, Troubles with the Asian movie market and what he had hoped would happen. It's fascinating. Go back and listen to it. It's with John Grace. You won't regret it. But give yourself some time um, to listen to it. Yeah, what'd you I, find, I will Sarah? tell you guys that John Favreau, his first film was actually uh, Rudy. He was in Rudy. Oh, oh I do recall that. that. But yeah. Rudy came out like right before PCU, and like we all like PCU was shelved for a little while. So there's right. a really good possibility that this was filmed before. And he's got an uncredited role as an extra in Hoffa, and he was a taxi driver in that Tom Selleck movie, Folks. So <laughs> yes, technically, I guess either between this and Rudy would be his first film. All right. So probably what happened is, as is usually happens, is he just got a cluster of work. Mm-hmm. Probably all around the same time. Oh, well, good for him. And now he's, you know, one of the best movie he's directors. He's of, royalty. Yeah, he's, he's royalty. I, I um, love the guy. Yeah. Who else do we? Oh, we, you know who haven't, we haven't talked with him. In that scene, we also meet Guy on the Couch, who's doing Guy the on the, the Couch. The Kane, the Kane Hackman theory. Yes. He's proving that no matter what time of day, there's either a. Uh, uh, Kane or Hackman film. That's on his thesis, TV. right? That's his right. thesis, <laughs> and he doesn't right. move so, from that couch almost a whole movie. Nope. Yeah. Yes. So does this movie co-op that, or did it actually establish that? Because that was that was a running meme online for quite a few years. That's an interesting question. That at any was given this- time of the day, there's a Michael Kane or Gene Hackman movie on. I don't know. I would say I bet that that's a writer's, you know. Because this was 94. I mean, the internet was really just in its infancy at that point. Yeah, so there was this, no watching. This probably wasn't so well established yet. No. And if you think about, like, when I watched that and saw that, I was like, oh, you know, probably in 94, 95, that was true. I mean, I, I, I have probably seen almost every Gene Hackman and Michael Caine movie ever made. I think I've only seen two in the movie theaters. So that means I must have been watching them somewhere. <laughs> well, and <laughs> here's a, this is another perfect example of why this movie could never be made today, because like that's an absurd concept today. Well, of course, there's always a Kane or Hackman movie on like we have everything's always on. Like there isn't any like even the whole concept of having to watch movie TV for 24 hours a day to watch things on like yeah. when they air, yeah. like that's a, that's, a, that's a foreign concept. Crazy. Like that, they couldn't even have something like that in this movie if they made it today. Well, let me ask you this, Brad. If, if, if you were going to do a thesis like the guy on the couch did, um, who would be those actors today? Or maybe not actors. Maybe they're just personalities of some sort. What would that thesis be on in 2018? Ooh, wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
So you're talking about somebody just with a massive. Yeah, like no matter what time of day you turn on the TV or turn on, you know, YouTube Um, or turn, you know, see an ad, you're always going to see X, Y, Z. Right. I'm going to go with uh, Nicolas Cage and Danny Trejo. Excellent choices. Mm-hmm. Treo is in everything. <laughs> everything. Not necessarily a star, but he shows up, it seems like, in every damn movie in the last yes. 20 years. Yeah. Those are, those are excellent choices. You know, he literally is, he has like a bit part in like everything. What do you think? I was going to say, like, I, I would have said, like, I would have gone uh, way, you know, more shallow, but like Nick Cage and Tom Hanks. Oh, Tom Hanks is a good one. Just because they both have such a huge body of work. Yeah. And Tom Hanks pops up in weird places sometimes, too. And he's done yeah, TV and movies. But I like Brad's answers better than mine. If I like we're Brad's voting. answers, If we're picking a winner, I like Brad's answers better than mine. See, mine would be something like um, a Kardashian, like any Kardashian. And um, oh, See, that's cheating. No, why? <laughs> they're friggin' everywhere. Every time I turn something on, there's a, a one true. of them girls. And it, it's on. fair. It's fair to count them as one person. And I mean, um, Andy Cohen. And so this is all the reality. Andy Cohen from the Real Housewives franchise. Um, he's like every. He's everywhere. Everywhere I look, that guy is. He's doing a cameo. He's in a commercial. He took uh, Kathy Griffin's spot on the New Year's Eve ball drop. Uh, with Anderson Cooper, um, that guy's freaking everywhere. He went from being nowhere to everywhere, or maybe Keanu Reeves. He's in a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. He is kind of in everything. Brandon Morse. I had Brandon Morse on my show. We did Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and I actually did float the idea of doing a podcast just dedicated to Keanu Reeves's body of work because he has so much out there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And I really love him and also. And and for somebody who's like infamously known as being a bad actor, he has such a huge body of work. Like, and it yes. is such a, like, yeah. And, and they're all, I mean, there are some real stinkers in there, but there are some real great movies. Yes. We had a whole discussion. That's the, that's the Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure episode. You should go back and listen to that. We had a whole discussion about, you know, is Keanu Reeves really a bad actor or are people just bad fans? Are people just bad watchers? I don't know. I'm, I, Air on the side of Countery's being actually a pretty decent actor, and he just he gets. The, I, th- I think he's very. I think he's powerful. I think he actually has a really de- a good presence. I like, do too. Thank you. You can be my co-host on my. I mean, my it took him thirty podcast. years, but he finally learned the craft. I think. No, I think he always had a handle on the craft. I mean, you go back and watch some of his early stuff. And that was you really you should go back and listen to the Bill and Ted's um, episode because. And I know we're getting a little sidetracked here, but it's important to note that PCU is less. It's about an hour, <laughs> so we'll have a whole lot of content to fill. But um, I did say that I one of the things in rewatching Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is I was surprised at how good he was in that movie. I had forgotten he was actually good, not just cute. Or fun to watch. He actually was very good. And he is Shakespearean trained. You know, he is theatrically trained. So he's not totally dumb. I think he's had some bad roles for sure. You got to watch Lake House. That's my favorite. I freaking love that movie. I mean, you, you can see at times where you almost can see the gears turning. <laughs> oh, I have to look pensive now. Oh, I have to look... I have to look confused and baffled at the same time. Uh, you know, just kind of, he, he wasn't up to the movie. task on that one. <laughs> yeah. 
you know what? I am going to start up that podcast. <laughs> so I can defend I mean, everyone of Keanu's performances. I just love this movie because they do, you know, they open with a wide shot of the glass house and it's, you know, it's one story all the way around. And then the very next, you know, to develop the plot, he goes up in the non-existent attic to get the box of letters. Right. Uh, and then it's like, okay, well, you I, I, I remember point. watching that movie. My husband made me watch it because I'm not a romantic, a romantic a romance movie uh, watcher. I hate romance films, but my husband loves romance movies. And he made me watch that one. And I remember just at the time watching it and thinking, like, where do you get changed? Like, the whole house is glass, but whatever. Uh, oh, but the time travel mailbox didn't bother you. No, not at all. <laughs> okay. I bought every single second of it. I ended up loving this movie. Okay. I remember <laughs> actually, I was watching with, um, you know, years back, it was some woman I was trying to impress and watching. And I just started laughing when he was up in the attic. And she's uh-huh. like, what? I said, just wait. And like what? later on in the movie, they do a wide shot of the house. I go, this is the same architect that did the Brady Bunch house. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, the Brady Bunch always did the exterior. It's a single level home. Then they cut to the interior with a 30 (laughs) foot staircase. It goes where? And a basement. Yeah. And at that point I ruined the movie for and ruined the dating as well. That's hilarious. Well, let's not get too sidetracked, but I, I, I will, uh, I think I am going to do that podcast. Um, (laughs) Y'all. There was a moment here when Piven is, we meet, when we do these movies, I love to play spot the black person. And so in this movie, there's plenty of black people, but, you know, there's still a lot of white folks. And our first black person and our main black person, and I'm sorry, is Guy with the Dreads. I don't know his name. Was it Mulaney or? Uh, Yeah, it was something like that. Um, You know? He was cool. I'm trying to remember remember the actor's name, actually. But, yeah, it is Mulaney. Oh, that's it. That's it. What was it? That's right. Because he's in in what's it called now? Uh, He's... I mean, he's had a great career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen him in a uh, lot yeah, of Mulaney stuff. But yeah, Mulaney is his name. Yeah, he uh, he shows up and we find out that he's played this nasty trick on Draws by submitting his name to be the campus guide for the weekend. So basically he's, you know, getting back at him and, and Piven says to Tom, oh, he's getting back at me for the dog biscuit thing. And what, apparently what that, what, this is all about is one spring break. They went to Jamaica and Piven stuffed his uh, Mulaney's suitcase with dog biscuits. So clearly so that the drug dogs would. And I just kept thinking in context of 2018 and police violence and everything. I was like, this joke would not fly. No, nope, <laughs> it wouldn't have even made it onto the into the screenplay. No way. And, and that the black guy was just so jovial about it. Too. Right. Oh, and of course, it's the black guy, right? It's the one black guy in the frat is the yeah. one that they pay to have the drugs. Yes. The I mean, it's just like it's just layered. It's layered in problematic, in problematic things. It's a problem. Yeah. There's no way that would happen. I mean, that was one of the first moments where I was like, "Oh, this couldn't be made today." There would be all kinds of. I mean, I just can imagine the myriad of blog posts about oh yes let the black guy be the butt of the joke oh it's so funny it won't be so funny when he's shot dead but uh but that that speaks to the charm of jeremy piven is is he sold it i didn't feel like what a terrible friend i was like oh he's so funny 
Well, they really train. screwed up, too, because he should have been in the movie more. He and Piven worked together so well. Just in that little scene right there, their interplay, you could tell they had chemistry. Absolutely. And it's like, yeah. wow, these two are best buds. They probably roomed for the last five years of college. And they hardly ever really directly interact that much more. They really do. Yeah, I think the only other big scene with just the two of them is when they're all at the ultimate, ultimate Frisbee thing. And it's just the two of them <laughs> up yeah. in the bleachers. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. They do have, they had great on-screen chemistry. Yeah, I kind of did want to see more hijinks. Like them yes. pulling some more hijinks together. Like, because <laughs> they did exude this, like, we're very experienced pranksters, you know. Brad, did you get the DVD when you ordered it on eBay? Yes. Does it have deleted scenes? Because it's from a time when they didn't necessarily do that. I'm curious if they're... No, nah, this is this is a pretty straightforward uh, copy. Okay. It just has like a I'm, trailer. I'm, that's about it. I'm curious to... I'm, I'm going to have to look into that. I wonder if there are any deleted scenes from this movie out there. Because you know there are, yeah. are probably some really good ones. Well, and the trivia I read said that the uh, director, although he wasn't real keen on letting them do improv, he later claimed that he did. And his way of, of doing it would be they'd shoot the scene... The way he wanted first, and then he'd do a scene where he would let them be a little more playful. So I'm sure there, if, if that, if what he says is true, then there's got to be some real fun deleted stuff out there. God, that that sounds like a scene from Entourage. I swear they did that in Entourage for something. We'll I could be remembering wrong though. Well, maybe but not. That would be really funny. Yeah, I mean, that would be funny if they had maybe. taken that experience and made yeah. it into like a, because they did that a lot with Entourage. They have a Weinstein Weinstein character even. Yeah. Yep. True. Um, uh, you already mentioned the Courtyard of Causes, which is every uh, yeah. cause under the sun. The only thing missing from 2018 perspective would be like the transgender activists. Everyone else was right. still there. I'm like, oh, we're still talking about the stuff. Gays in the military. Well, you, you do. Know, you get pretty lesbians. close. You get pretty close with the womenists, I think. I feel like the womenists, in the, the womenists um, you know, the, oh, God, what did she say? The cockman oppressor. God is one of, again, one of the greatest lines. Like, ah, <laughs> uh, uh, but the womenists are probably as close to the sort of trans or militant trans community that you would get today yeah. but you're right that whole that that uh that facet of pc culture is not representativeness yeah that's the only thing and it wasn't even on the radar then oh. um, which is why on more serious note i am opposed to enshrining a lot of our social quote progress into law because our notions change so much and change so quickly that what we think is very liberal right now will probably in another 10 to 20 years seem very, you know, conservative and very fascistic. And so I'm all like, you know, like we couldn't have pictured in 1994 the way that, that um, like the sexual revolution has progressed into the transgender issue. Couldn't have predicted that. It wasn't even yeah, on the yeah. radar. But they did this scene. It did remind me. I have in my notes. I wrote, um, "Oh, women and women first. I love the women is from from um, Portlandia. Yes, yes, the bookstore. Women and women first. Yes, because you know Jeremy Piven is trying to you know get a peek at his girlfriend, and the angry lesbians are protecting the girlfriend. They don't want this this white 
straight male around them. He's discussing it. He's, you know, he's like, hey, can I just poke through there? What do you mean? You know? <laughs> what do you mean by poke? <laughs> like everything is just a, yeah, a, aggressive attack on, on womanhood. Right. He, he is everything that's wrong with the world. He is the patriarchy. He is the, he is the cockman oppressor. That's what he is. Like, <laughs> and they can't have, they can't have him, uh, even near, what was her name? Samantha. 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 The girl, who you can, the movie the girl you can tell has been something. adapted by them. Adopted by them. We just lost something these days though, because that, you know, I'm watching the movie and it, I didn't think it was as funny as I used to think of it, but that's because, all of their stereotypes and you know they they went you know broad on so many of these categories today they're exceeded like these yeah. women is you know they were like overly militant and angry and bitter and all any day on twitter is worse than anything they showed with the women is in this movie it's true i mean go to just pull up any video of like uh like the women's march which i went to the san francisco women's march and there are all kinds of women there i mean you know just regular old housewife looking women. And there were also the angry lesbian um, crowd from the courtyard of causes, you know, <laughs> like <that's, laughs> those were, you're right. They've, be, they've become the caricature. Um, and I remember these women when I was in college, I went to school with them. I went to, you know, that they had at that time, it was the nose rings and the boots and the, flannels and a lot of them did like braids or dreads because it seemed like counterculture for white girls to do that now it would be shaved underneath and long on the top yeah now it would be cultural appropriation but at that time it was counterculture and a lot of these girls you know came to school and that's where they realized they were lesbians you know (laughs) and i can remember being you know coming into my freshman class with you know, girls that were, I went to school in Iowa. So they came in as like farm girls, just like regular prim and proper Sunday school girls. And then they left as like hardcore, like in deep lesbian relationships, like shaved their heads, grew out their armpit. Those people really existed. Yes. It's true. And the and movie happened. sets them up perfectly, perfectly. Well, they do one thing in this movie that always kind of, I don't want to say annoys me, but it pulls me out a little bit. And that's when they do the social class uniform thing where everybody in these groups were all dressed alike. Like yes. the womenists were all identical wearing cargo pants with the shirt wrapped around their waist. They had the black militants were all dressed in identical yellow and brown. They almost look like bananas. And then the hippies, of course, had the all dashikis on and they were all, yeah, yeah. You know, like every group had its uniforms and it was like broadly done. They did the same thing in, uh, um, that was a high school movie, uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. Right. When they walk yes. through the courtyard, it's the same kind of thing. Here are the cowboys, here are the caffeine heads, here are the dreadlocks. It's true. First of all, I think that that's, I think that's pretty representative. Uh, and, I'll, I think it's reflected even in modern times. I'm, I mean, when you were ta- when you just said that just now, Brad, my the first show that came to my mind was Gronish, which is the spinoff of Blackish on ABC. Gronish is on their streaming service, mm-hmm. 
And uh, the, the oldest daughter, who's ugh, so gorgeous, she's such a beautiful girl, she goes off to college, and, I mean, the first uh, scene is, is her in the meeting of all the black student clubs, and it's just like that. You've got the, the hoteps, which is like the black, uh, old-school African, but they're like really independent, like libertarian, and they were all like dressed like with the daishikis and stuff. And then you have the black Republicans who are like real buttoned up and they all have like white girlfriends. And uh, then you had like, yeah, like you had the, um, I don't know, the, the neo soul, like natural hair, black group, but we still like separate people like that. Well, and it, that's also an intentional choice, right? Like, it's just to make it more, like, yeah. for the movies. Like, it's just to sort of uh, add comedic illustration to it, right? Like, it's all just way over the top. Even all the hippies' clothes were all, like, the same shades of color. Like, it was all pinks and blues. There was no, you know, you didn't have the hippie in the purples or, or, or greens. It was all these certain, yeah, no, everybody had to be classified into their groups. It's an artistic choice. Story shorthand is what I call it. Yes. Yeah, and for a movie that's an hour long, you it definitely got to do that. Yeah, and that's all this movie is, right? It's just pointing out these groups. <laughs> so, yeah, every, you're right. Everybody did have their uniform, and the uniforms were dead on. They were, and you knew who they were. I mean, they run into the meat is murder crowd. First thing, uh, people are protesting. Well, what's the one guy says? He says, um... What well, gosh, what was he protesting? And they're like, no, that was last week. Oil or uh, something? Um, free, yeah, free Nelson Mandela. Oh, free Nelson Mandela. And they're yeah. like, dude, Nelson Mandela's yeah. been free. Like, Nelson Mandela is free. That was last week. <laughs> we did. He, uh, no, that's a great line. He goes, we did, we did that already. Yes. Like, no, you didn't. You did not do that. But there was also a moment at the meeting murder thing where somebody's sign is just flipped. It's just a silent. Yes. I love that. Like, the, love the sign that. is up and it's something about dolphins or something. Yeah, and he's like, the, his buddy slaps him and he points at the sign and said, save the whales. He's like, oh, oh, and he turns it around and it said, meet his murder. And then yeah, he matched right, her exactly. that day's. Exactly. And they had one time in the in the final. Yeah. I was like, oh, I got my own. And she had a collapsible one that expanded yes. with blank sheets, and she was ready to go. Yeah, with like one hand, and she just like popped I it open like an umbrella. That. I love yeah. that. Such a cool touch. Yeah, that was. So yeah, these people funny. are professional protesters. But again, another that. reason it couldn't be made today because you can't, you're not allowed to mock protest culture anymore. Right. But and, mm-hmm. and that was so funny is that we've seen that, right? Like, wasn't yes. that? Oh, I yeah. think I was watching like the Supreme Court protesters um, brought like blank signs, <laughs> and you, so you could write whatever you want on them, and they just carry these things around, and then whatever issues at the Supreme Court, they just write the sign out and then head out to the protests. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's a real thing. It's. I mean, this is. This is. Again, it's. It's the Nostradamus of our generation. I mean, these guys. This is exactly what was going to come of all of this. Yeah. And I think. And so the Piven does a, a funny, haha trick where you know the, he takes the preppy kid and they go dump. They go steal meat from the cafeteria and dump it on all the meat is murder protesters and i and i thought you know gosh today this would be so offensive oh yes 
That well, would be an scene actual, that was like, like the assault. penultimate scene. That one just that's where all the release was. It was like yeah, this is beautiful. You're throwing meat on the vegetarian protest. You know, like you're somebody like myself as anti PC as they come. This was uh, it felt good. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful moment. And the little pieces of meat they drop just little bits at a time. And it just like hits her. Oh, it's a great one where the the clump of hamburger meat yeah. hits her full horn, and she just uh, flicks it off. Yes, it's, beautiful. Like, what is it? it's a beautiful. It, you know, it reminded me of that story recently that came up with that the vegans were protesting out that uh, outside that Chicago butchery or whatever. Oh, yeah. And then the chef got so sick of it, he just took his big like side of pig and just started butchering it right in the window. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like right in between them. Like when you walked past, it would yes. be like two protesters with a guy cutting up a piece of meat right in between. And I read the comments on the Facebook post that someone posted that video on, and they posted the video on the vegan page, and the comments were amazing. Like people were so upset. They were like, that is so rude. How dare he? Like they weren't rude for interrupting this guy's business. By the way, he's a butcher. That's what he right. does. <laughs> they weren't rude for interrupting his business. He was rude for presenting them with raw meat when he knew that that would make them sick. Well, here's one of my favorite things with these PETA protests. You know, when they get the, the supermodels that go out and they sit in front of like a KFC or something, they strip down naked to try to convince people not to eat meat. Yeah. And You want to talk about getting your messaging wrong with a guy like me. So you're telling me if I eat steak, you're going to take your clothes off and you're going to leave them off until I stop eating steak. Great. Because this is this is a win win for me. This doesn't feel like a D incentive at all. I'm ordering a 64 ouncer. No, it's like it's like women who want to protest um, their right to go top or or protest, I guess, uh, sexism by going topless. Right. It's like, I don't mm-hmm. think you get how this works. There's, stop there's not stop be a objectifying women. Look at my boobs. Yeah. You won't have a counter protest. You'll have applause. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, it's how they get more people to come out to their protests. It works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it works. So um, Come for the boobs. Stay for the informative pamphlets. <laughs> sure. <laughs> they, they, um, David Spade tells President Garcia Thompson he's going to get rid of these guys once and for all. They just need another 15 complaints from the student body in order to shut down the pit. And so David Spade spends the rest of the movie uh, plotting to do that. In the meantime... Um, Tom is exploring campus and has somehow managed to anger every victim group on campus. And it's it's hilarious because they all end up um, chasing after him. But the the scene that made me laugh the most is when he um, stumbles into the computer lab. And the computer lab, now, anybody listening who wasn't in a computer lab in the 1990s, they're not like the sleek, thin laptops we have now. You had to go to a room that was filled with computers, and each computer took up, like, a whole desk. And underneath the desk, because that's where you put the tower. And uh, they were all doing their thesis on this computer, and it was before the days of autosave. So he (laughs) runs and trips over the cord, and, uh, you know, next thing you know it, everything's shorted out, and they all lost their thesis papers. And that was the reality of studying in the 90s. 
Yeah, your computer went on a glitch and everything was just gone. That was it. But I think these days you might have to have somebody trip and fall and knock out the Wi-Fi, maybe. Maybe, but you'd still have autosave, and it's probably in a cloud somewhere. Mm-hmm. A cloud you know, was he, inconceivable uh, in 1994. He managed, he did, he managed, and he manages to, to piss off everybody on campus, every single group. Yes, he, he runs into the angry black protesters, and I guess they just chase him because he's white, maybe, or what did he do? Oh God! What well, he was, was he? running from one group, and then he ran into the black protesters at one point. And he, then they were—they, I think they said something about him being a white oppressor. Right, yeah. right, right. Uh, he was running from the—he was running from the gays, but you don't ever really know why. That's why I think there are deleted scenes out there. Oh. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. there's the one, and I know we're, I'm jumping forward, but they're coming, they're chasing him at nighttime, and the guy's coming yeah. downstairs. He's wearing blue blazer with brown shoes, and <laughs> right. like, but you don't ever really know what he did to piss off the gays. You just know that he's pissed them off. No, you're absolutely right. I remember seeing that and thinking, why isn't there more of this in the movie? Like, where right. are the gay people? Like, I wanted more, like, like, we have the angry lesbians, but I wanted the gay guys. Like, I wanted to see what they were angry about. Do you think that got deleted for time? Or do you think that got deleted got, because they just didn't want to be too stereotypical? I would, I would, I, I want to say it was a time thing because I, I hate to think that they were cutting things out to, you know, when you're making a movie like this, I'd hate to think that they were like, let's not be too mean. All right. Actually, yeah. I would lean on probably being too insensitive because if you think about the movie being delayed a year or two, yeah, and then it came out in theaters, and then it was finally graduating onto cable you're talking about three to five years maybe from whatever jokes they made to whatever the current social structure was and there was probably stuff that gay groups at that point in time were dictating or unacceptable. And the gays, movies. you know, the gays, uh, I can say this as a Jewish person because we run the other half of Hollywood. Right. But the gays run half of Hollywood. Right. So <laughs> so in this movie, you've got no jokes about Jews. Obviously, we all understand why. Well, there's um, one. Where Spade oh, says right. uh, like he's yep. doing the code, the secret that's code to get in. He's like, <laughs> they killed Jesus. Jesus. Who killed Jesus? Christ. The Jews. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sucko. The Jews. Sucko. Let me in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's a classic. That's our favorite. Yeah. That's well, favorite yeah, show. you know, and Brad has a point, and the other point that that might be relevant here is that the movie was was made to get an R rating. And they had to peel it back to a PG-13 to get it in the theater. Uh, so they may well have cut some yep. gay s- scenes in there. Which is too bad. That might have been some of the funniest stuff. Right. I don't know. Maybe someday they'll Sad. release like a 20, or, you know, a 50 anniversary, 50th anniversary or something. I doubt it. Have a bunch of... I've, I, I have no doubt that part of the reason why you can't stream this movie is because there are people out there who don't want you to stream this movie. There are some movies that have been relegated to the dustbin of history in light of recent developments. And one is a movie that I am going to do on this show, and I had to order the DVD, is Juana Man. And that is the, would be late 90s, um, about a guy who wants to play professional basketball, but he's not good enough to make the NBA. So he pretends he's a woman and uh, uh, tries out for the WNBA. Yeah. That movie is nowhere. If you look it up, all you can find is um, protests and complaints. 
about it. That's, yes. that's another Nostradamus right there because we've got yeah. so many men uh-huh. now that are trans and competing in women's competitions these days. Yep. Sure. I'm doing that on this show. <laughs> so I have the DVD copy. I don't know what I'm going to play it on. I think I'm going to have to buy a DVD player again. Me- Region 3. Huh? It'll be on Region 3. Region 3? Yeah, you'll probably have to get an Australian DVD player. <laughs> Great. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe I can stick it in, um, like, the PlayStation or whatever. I got one of those. There you go. I don't know how any of those things Me work. Me neither. Me neither. Anyways, but, yeah. So that's interesting to think about, that that may have been caught. Okay, well, um, yeah, he angers all of these groups, and he's being chased across campus. I, I don't know oh, why. Oh, that's the other one. He gets the hippies mad because he stole their Frisbee. Oh, that's, that's right. That's the one we skipped. That's right. Frisbee. And see, I was going to call bull crap on this one because you're not going to get hippies that upset about anything to the point so that they're going to go run after something. Well, that not was, for there, that, not there for that, was that moment with um, Jake Busey and his other stoner friend. And when he took off with it, they're like, dude, he took our Frisbee. They're like, I want to get high or, you know, let's go get blazed. <laughs> it was like, yeah, yeah they, that's pretty. Bong hits anyone? Yeah. That's that's why Jake it, Busey. How oh, is this yeah. guy a movie star? He's not really he's, a star, but he's just one of those guys that's always showing up. He's got the most arresting dentition of anybody in Hollywood. You know, he looks like his dad, and I think that's it. I don't know. Just every time <laughs> he pops up, it's like, wow, this guy made it. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that he made it. You know, his dad made it. It's like he's like uh, uh, Zoe Kravitz. I can't stand. And I wish Hollywood would stop trying to foist her on me as a movie star. She didn't make it. Her, she had two parents who were both in the industry. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and they put her face in movies because they think that that will stir up some kind of nostalgia for people like me who remember Lenny Kravitz and who remember um, Lisa Bonet. And you know what? It works. <laughs> you seem upset about this. I am. <laughs> I'm really angry. I just about laugh it. every time I see Jake Busey. He's like, he shows up in some show and he's like a cop. And it's like, oh, Jake is back. I know. Hey, all right. <laughs> like, he still has his SAG insurance card. Yeah, Perfect. well, you know what? You know? It's good for him, I guess. He's working. But I liked that representation of the stoners because um, one thing that really bothers me, especially now that we've been talking a lot about legalizing marijuana in different states, and it's kind of you know catching on, it's passing from state to state, and inevitably there is somebody that writes about um, how marijuana is like how how when you legalize it, then stoners are like causing more crime, and every time something crazy happens, I'll see like a certain contingent of people on my Facebook page talking about, see, this is what happens when you legalize marijuana. I'm like, no, that is not, people who smoke weed, <laughs> they're not going out and robbing jewelry stores. <laughs> they're ordering pizza if they can manage to do that. That's not how it works. Reaper Madness 2025. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) We should do Reaper Madness on this show. Oh, Oh, that one is... uh, Yeah, be... (laughs) Strap in, that'll... In fact, I would say it's the opposite. I think that that movie would definitely be easily be made today. Maybe, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It'll be a public service announcement. Exactly. Oh, God. It'd be like, people watch it now and be like, we should be airing this 24 hours a day for people. 
Well, so we find out that while all this is happening, we find out the pit's got to raise $7,000. How do you raise $7,000? You have a house party. And uh, the house party is the crux of every great 90s film. In fact, house party is one of the most uh, 90s films ever with Kid and Play, which is, uh, I'm, that's another movie I'm doing on this show. I freaking love that movie. But yes, you have a house party. So they have a house party. And, um, oh, I have this line here that I wrote down that really tickled me. Those When those two stoners, Jake Busey and his friend, were like, oh, dude, there goes our Frisbee. And, um, oh, and then um, Gutter asks them to take him to get beer. Yes. For the party, because he's, <laughs> he's in charge of getting the beer. He shouldn't have been, but he's in charge of getting the beer. And he goes and asks those guys, because they've got a car, but they're going to the George Clinton concert. They can't take him. Um, and they're like, well, dude, you know, we can't take and get beer, because we're going to the Clinton concert later. And then we have, like, our intramural finals. <laughs> like, it was <laughs> intramural finals. Yes. Yes, the intramural finals. It's very important. This is just the beginning. Well, it's just the beginning it's of motivation. Yeah, well, it's just the beginning of when you when, uh, uh, You're right, Sarah, that this is just such a predictive movie because now there you can take anything. Anything is a major these days. Anything. It's crazy. Um, yes. Let's see. We. I have in my well, notes. I, dude, I have Go a ahead. plot question here, and Sarah probably would be the one to turn to on this because I've watched okay. it this weekend, and I doubled back on one scene. The prepsters are trying to get the pit back because that used to be their house. Correct. Right. It used to be. It was a long-standing. And in fact, the very opening scene when the prefrosh is first walking into the pit, and you see the whole hallway of pictures. That was um, a great open. Yeah. Yeah. I so like that—that's that fraternity. So this. But, the couple of preppy guys that are left are just trying to figure out a way to get their house back. I was going to say, how did one is how did they lose it? And two, they have they, this scene where they bring the, the star into their place, and their place is gorgeous. Why do they want the yes. condemned place? But it's <laughs> I mean, in, it was, their place is hidden in in a shed. Um, they they lost it in 1969 when the. Uh, schools outlawed fraternities and then nobody was allowed to live in fraternity houses anymore. They didn't have them. And the pit was taken over by, you know, the types of people you see hanging behind seven elevens. So this is like a <laughs> long running thing. This has been going on for decades. Like David Spade has been passed down this task from the people who came before him as their numbers have dwindled. Cause I think that's even how he puts it. Like our numbers have dwindled down to, you know, the six or seven people that they had, that were in their fraternity and they all hang out in this shed that they'd convert. Of course the shed was beautiful. They got it, you know, they probably had an interior de de decorated by one of their moms. Yeah. It was just, <laughs> it was, I was looking at that and then looking at the pit. It was like, why, why would you want that? <laughs> you they, well, it pretty good right they, here. they would have made it. They would have made it. Great yeah. It again. was probably, yeah. Make, make America great again. MAGA. <laughs> <laughs> make the pit great again. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, well, they, well, their fraternity was uh, Balls and Shaft. Mm -hmm. and balls and Shaft. <laughs> the long-standing tradition of Balls and yes. Shaft. 
Uh, there's another great moment in there where they send out Gutter to get the beer, and he's made his stop with Jake Busey, and of course he gets high, and he goes to the store, and he's he's blaze. He's completely just one little finger to break up your day. Totally baked, and then he yeah, and then he runs into this old lady outside the the store, <laughs> <laughs> and she said, and he she asks him something, and in his marijuana and juice haze he hears can you blow me where the pampers are can you blow me where the pampers is (laughs) can you blow me where the pampers is can you blow me where the pampers is (laughs) oh it's so good i'm still laughing i was i mean the line itself isn't funny but to see a 75 year old woman utter that was funny Exactly. This sweet little seventy, this seventy-something old woman comes up to him. Excuse me, young man. Can you, <laughs> can you blow me where the Pampers is? And she, well, of course, what she's asking is, can you show me where the campus is? Yes. But he is so high, and it reminded me of one of the first times that I smoked weed, which was after college. Jeez, maybe after. I think after I was married, even. I mean, I was like goody tissues, straight arrow. All the way up until marriage. I think once I got married and I'm like, um, it's safe for me to be irresponsible now. So I can remember being at a friend's house in Chicago and smoking a joint and we just needed snacks, clearly. And so we walked half a block to the pharmacy at the end of the block. I mean, it wasn't that far, but it seemed like it was like three miles. It was half a block. And I can remember three of us standing in the aisle with the chips and snacks in it and just staring and not being able to pick anything and whispering to each other, like, stop looking so high, stop looking so high. But like we couldn't, everyone that walked by, we were like, they know we're high. It took us maybe 45 minutes to an hour to pick out chips because we just couldn't make it work. No matter what. And then we were so paranoid that we were, for some reason, that we were going to get kicked out for being high. (laughs) Right. You're not allowed to be in the store when you're high. Right. Very important. No, when you get stuck like that, it's the worst. That's what it reminded me of. It's like, I know what it's like to be standing in public and completely baked and and not in control of, like, how you respond to things, but wishing you could be in control and trying really hard to be in control. Yes. (laughs) But failing. Yeah. You have any weed stories, Brad? Um, not too much. I've never really enjoyed it, but one of them was, uh, you know, I was in a house with a bunch of guys, frat scenario, and, you know, they were doing a skull session where everybody was just passing around and debating politics, so I just joined in, what the hell. And I was just getting into a really deep political discussion, gesturing and everything else, until somebody came and put their hand on my shoulder. I was like, what? He's like, dude, we stopped talking like 15 minutes ago and I was sitting there having a very intense debate with the back of a lazy boy recliner. Oh, wow. You just don't understand because the way it's going to be is like, dude, he's not arguing with you. Oh, okay. Oh, man. And there was, I wanted to ask you about this scene because um, then he kind of starts having a little bit of a hallucination and he imagines himself, and this is gutter, he imagines himself 
in um, like some congressional hearings, and I couldn't tell which hearings they were. <laughs> I didn't remember what was going on. It's like they super they superimposed him into those hearings. Was that Orrin Hatch or Jeff Sessions? Yep. That was Orrin. That Hatch? was Orrin Hatch and Joe oh Biden. Oh my God! <sighs> this movie was made in 1994. You guys, they're yes. still there. They're still they there. They're still there. It's crazy. I cracked up when I saw that. And, and Oren maybe looks a little grayer, but that's about it. It's a damn shame. <laughs> there is no friggin' reason for them to still be sitting in Congress. Do you guys know what, which hearings they jacked that footage from? I couldn't tell. Oh, God. You know? Um, was it, it was some probably, confirmation? I wanted to know. I don't well, cause he, trying to think the, what went on around that time. Is, it might have been around Contra. Well, because he uses the I didn't exhale line, which was the was I nice. didn't, you know, like, so it's instead of the I didn't in, mm-hmm. I, I didn't inhale line, um, which was incredible. But, yeah, no, what's I don't know what hearings. It was, uh, it was probably Oliver North. I thought maybe it was. But then I was in high school when that was going on. Because I remember watching some of that in high school, and this movie came out when I was in college. So, it's, it, it would it have been, been around? Um, I mean, Clarence if this was shot Thomas? in '92, they probably pulled footage from like 1990, maybe or so. It wouldn't have been Clarence Thomas hearings, would it? No, oh, not a, well. Um, well, because you know what would be funny is to figure out because like the, it's the people behind them that you're looking for, yes, right? So, yeah. like. And it's whoever's sitting behind them. Uh, that's interesting. I wonder what they actually, what which footage they actually use. Well, listeners, if you know what footage they yeah. use from which hearings, please drop that in the comment or tweet at us at high pods, H I pods. That's our how that appropriate would, pod. Or me at That's a great Grace. trivia yeah. question. Yeah, I'd be curious to know, but it was hilarious and sad to see Orrin Hatch and Joe Biden in there. It made me cry. Um, and then, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, it was really sad. And then I'm going to push us along here because we're getting towards the end. But um, we we see that uh, President Garcia Thompson is going to change the school mascot to an endangered species, which I thought was hilarious because that's kind of like what the do-gooders these days do. It's like... In order to save something, they make it a token. And it's like they treat it worse than what they're... Like, she has this rare endangered bird in a cage. Yeah, it's like tiny little cage. Yeah. So I thought that was funny. Um, Anyways, the party's getting ginned up. Um... Oh, they have... Oh, um, the the party... uh, Oh, God, we we skipped the... um, Everybody gets laid, right? So the band's going to play. They have to name the band. The band has to be called something that's going to be offensive. So they name the band Everybody Gets Laid. So they make these flyers tonight at the pit. Everybody gets laid. Throw the flyers everywhere. Again, like, can't happen. Wouldn't happen. Like, you can't have things like that in movies anymore. Um, And so at this point, you find out that the flyers never actually got passed out. Nobody knows. Nobody's come. And all they have is people protesting outside. The womenists are protesting because they're the only ones who have gotten their hands on the flyers. Right. And in the meantime, Gutter has run into George Clinton and uh, the P-Funk band. And they have driven him back to his dorm. And then, you know, they're like, well, what the hell? You know, we're here. We're going to play. We'll play. They decide to play. Um, 
Again, you find you have a great scene with Jeremy Piven and your token black man, um, who is the one who convinces George Clinton to play because yes. he's the one who can communicate with George Clinton because they're both black. Right. Because uh, Jeremy Piven isn't doing a good enough job. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, and- <laughs> he convinces George Clinton this way. George Clinton's like, what, are you kidding me, man? No. He's like, George, we need you. Okay, guys, we're going to play. I mean, it's right. like. That's all it took to convince George Clinton to go in the frat house. Yeah, originally exactly. that band, they had hoped it would be Nirvana. So they had tried to get Nirvana to fill that role. That didn't work out. And then they went after the Goo Goo Dolls. But they thought at that time that the Goo Goo Dolls were not well known enough in um, the States Although they had an international presence, and so that's when they landed on George Clinton and P. Falk, and I think that was the better choice. Absolutely, I mean, absolutely, it's the perfect choice. Yeah, because there's something because joyous they even, they about even their... mention it. Yeah, everybody loves funk. It's everybody the music. I mean, loves every... funk. Yeah, right. it was great party music. It's great like getting high music, and there's you know. Um, I think there's a line in there where Jeremy, Jeremy Piven says, like, there's one thing that will always unite us. It's like a good party. So yes. you can put all of your differences aside for one night. And when you're in college, it's like, yeah, you want to find your identity and everyone's out there protesting and everyone wants to be a victim of something because for some reason in 2018, especially, we've decided that there's some kind of nobility in victimhood and we're not anybody until somebody hates us. But the one place you can go where no one gives a shit is a good party. And who is more primed for a good party than a college kid. Those are your party years. And I don't know, I found something like almost very sweet in that message. Just like, we all just need a good big party. You guys just need to have some fun. Feed me drinks. Get me laid. Yes, everybody gets laid. Everybody gets laid. And that's and then that's how we, uh, Prefrosh comes back in because he's the one who brings everybody else to the house. He like he puts himself out as bait. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That They're was a great callback there because the uh, all the chase scenes throughout the movie, I was like, "Come on, really? You're beating us to death!" But then they brought that back in. That's mm-hmm. how they loaded the party. He had all the hate groups chase him back to the house. I thought that was a good. Exactly. Put a good bow on that one. Yeah, and, again, they bring back, and they bring back the thesis thing because Jeremy Pip tr- draws takes the people who um, lost their thesis and he takes them downstairs to his magic closet from the beginning mm-hmm. and takes care of it all. Yeah, it gives them his seven years of cribbed thesis yes. reports. Yeah, and I love the line of imp- of. I have I call it the line O oppression, where when, when everyone's like, oh, you know, they realize, well, there's beer and there's music here. Let's get in line. You know, you can't beat that on a Saturday night. And um, then the black guy is like, ah, oh, well, my people have suffered, you know, 400 years of slavery or whatever. We should be in the front. Of we the should line. be in the front of the line. And then the gay guy is like, well, my people are regularly harassed and the butt of jokes. <laughs> we should be at the front of the line. And then you know the woman like well we've been oppressed by the patriarchy since the beginning of time we should be at the front of the line we're oppressed all over the world yes you said i loved it i loved it no it's the perfect it was that woman had she had that feminist bitterness down pat she She did that role great she did it was yeah and you would have that go, go ahead she has that great. She has that great scene with the other yes. uh, womanist when they a, a guy brings them beers and she figures out like, oh, if you're nice to them, they'll bring you things. And she yes. has this <laughs> very <wonderful>. like authentically <laughs> naive moment about how you can manipulate men to do things for you. It was how how to use the matriarchy to your advantage. Yes. Like, 
It's true. And I have been with women when they have discovered that. I have been with those women. And when, yeah, when they figured it out, it's like, it's one thing to, to kind of shit on girls who are feminine and kind of play that up. But there's another aspect to it, which is it carries a type of power that's its own thing, you know, and you kind of can make guys do, do things, bring you things and right, Brad. Well, I was going to say, if I could weigh in here, if I could take a moment to mansplain. Yeah, go ahead. Mansplain to us. Why don't you whitesplain mansplain to us, Brad? Sure. I mean, you know, (laughs) just in full disclosure, I am a testosterone polluted male, but (laughs) that is a, it's a, it's a spot on accurate line. I mean, if, you know, a woman even pays a man half a second of deference, he'll do anything for you. Yes. It's true. Yes. <laughs> it's so true. You can't beat a man into, you know, submission. That's not, that's not what they yeah. want. It's the opposite. You have to like, guys, the thing that a lot of women don't know, and I think a lot of modern women don't know is men do want to do things for you. They really oh, do. Yeah. Then it makes them happy all to you, do so. All you got to do is be halfway decent and just don't <laughs> bullshit about it. I mean, even if you are bullshitting, you know, just, you know, I don't, know, don't get me a drink. I don't need anything. I'll get you a drink. You're getting a drink. You're, here's your yeah. drink. It's the way it works. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, and it's and really cool when it happens. I mean, I can remember, um, you know, growing up in Eastern Canada, I was not, um, I never dated. I was an ugly duckling. I never had a boyfriend. Um, uh, being a minority in a place like Eastern Canada, I, there were times when I really wasn't, guys didn't even look at me as like a girl. You know, they didn't even look at me as a person. I had never, before I moved to the U.S., I had never had a man open a door for me, believe it or not. And the first time when I, I and I went to school in the Midwest, where all those good Midwest farm boys grow up. And the first time a guy held the door for me, I remember being like, what? Like, it felt so nice, you know? And um, it it made me feel, and he wasn't doing anything but holding the door. I mean, he wasn't flirting or anything. He was just being polite. And I remember, but it stuck with me. And then my roommate was, like, she was one of the girls from this movie. She was bitter, angry feminist, just like, hardcore feminist and i remember getting back to our room not long after that and her going you know what really pisses me off i'm like guy holds a door open for me it's like i can hold my own damn door i don't need you to hold a door for me you think i'm too stupid or too weak to hold the door and i just remember thinking like what it but it's so nice <laughs> it feels so it nice it never dawned on you to be offended if somebody held the door for you like why no guys will do Yes, pretty much anything for a girl to be nice to them. That's all they want. That's all I, I can need. tell you right now, feminists hate me. Hate me with, I mean, <laughs> I'm the embodiment of everything they say, and it's because I treat women decently. I, you know what? I, I can remember being in a Bible study. My, my, uh, my father-in-law is a, is, is a pastor, and he was our pastor forever until he retired a few years ago. Um, and as the pastor's daughter-in-law that put me on you know a lot of bible studies leading a lot of bible studies leading a lot of women's groups and they all get to be super boring after a while and i can remember being in one 
with uh, a group of ladies that were all a lot older than me. I would, I had only been married five, six years by that time. And we veered off the track to, um, complaints about husbands and stuff. And, and one of the ladies said, you know, it really bothers me that my husband doesn't, um, put the soap in the laundry before he starts it. She thought he should be putting the laundry soap in as the water was running and then putting the clothes in. And she's like, it really bothers me. But if I bring it up, then he just thinks I'm a nag. And it's like, no matter how nice I ask him or how many times I ask him, he just won't do it the other way because this way will be better, blah, blah, blah. And finally, I was like, you know what? Just give him a blowjob. And my mother-in-law was like, Kara! And I'm like, "Uh, you know what? We're all adults here. Give him a blowjob. And when you're done, say, by the way, honey, the next time you put the laundry in, would you just mind putting the soap in first? It just works better that way. And I guarantee you, from then on, he will do it. Because guys are simple. They're not that hard to figure out. It it is. It's quite, it's that simple. It's pretty much true training right there basically (laughs) you do it with a dog you know here's a hot dog roll over you get another hot dog (laughs) it's true it's so true uh so anyway um i just have like that party i love she i i just love that they everyone's having a good time and the pre-frosh guy is like, I'm 18. I'm at a party. I'm not with my parents. It's like, I oh, remember he's that in feeling. He's a t-shirt. He's yeah. taken off his tie. I remember that feeling. Yes. It's such a heady time, you know, and you realize like your parents aren't anywhere around. Your, your family's not anywhere around. Every decision you make is your decision. It's just a really great time. I loved that scene. And I maybe kind of wish like, instead of having protests, like, Pussy hat protests or manga protests or border wall protests. Like, we just need one great giant national party. That's what we need. We need some beer. You and know, some it's not punk. a bad idea. And Jeremy Piven might be the, the person to take us there. I think so. You, <laughs> I think so. We just need a big party, some beer, some funk. That's it. Well, the problem is, I mean, you know, the Super Bowl used to be that, but now they've politicized. The NFL, that uh, right. you can't uh, watch the Super Bowl without picking sides and dividing the living room in half. That's true. That's true. And maybe New Year's Eve is close to that? Politicized. Ugh. I don't know. Well, we, we need to start something. <laughs> we need to figure out how do we start something fun that doesn't get politicized. We need to have a we're not going to protest day. Yes! Mardi, well, Mardi Gras. But it, yeah, we need to expand that. Yeah, at each other and taking tops off. It's kind of like St. Patty's Day. It's right. like that kind of go. yeah. Yes, we need yes. like a. Except St. Patrick's Day is cultural appropriation. Oh man, so is Mardi Gras. I'm sorry. And Cinco de Mayo. I'm a formal liberal. I know how to do all of these things. <laughs> yeah, but see, here's the thing, though. Um, you know, I'm I'm Dutch, but we're pretty much in the same mentality as the Irish. We don't get in shape about that crap. Well, right. No, of course no, not. It's, it's never, it's never yeah. right. It's people getting bent off, uh, bent out of shape on their behalf. It's people who get bent out of shape because someone might be offended that we get drunk on a holiday for Irish people. That that's offensive. <laughs> it's not that <laughs> Irish, Irish people, people are offended. Like, say, wait, that's like a weekend. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, no, this is awesome. Yeah. Right. Irish people are like, we're down with this. this Finally, is great. I get to wear green to too. Us. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
Oh, no, no, I remember when um, remember when the third Austin Powers movie came out and he had Goldmember? Yes. And the guy was, you know, freaky deaky Dutch and all that. And I had yeah. somebody come up to me and say, does that offend you, Brad? You know, because I'm I'm one I'm Dutch on both sides, 100 percent. And I was like, why would why? He's like, yeah, but look at they're making fun. He's got the gold wooden shoes and all that. And it's like I it would never dawn on me to get upset about that until you just asked me that question. Yeah, I know. But for so some weird. people, that's all that they're carrying around, which is what this movie is, right? Um, and, the, and well, you bring up a great um, moment, Sarah. You talk about being uh, once being a liberal, uh, and uh, and now you're like a dirty libertarian, or whatever. <laughs> but uh, but there's <laughs> there, but there's a moment in this movie. Just to, just to skip ahead, they have the party. President Garcia Thompson, I love that, <laughs> comes in and uh, she says, you know, I'm going to shut this down. I have all the complaints I need. And then they decide at the the bicentennial celebration, the big celebration of the college's 200 years, which how old is America? The college is really old. I'm like, I don't think it's older than America. It's the bicentennial. No, it was what, 17, 1976. So it was, it's 20, this college has been around since the, uh, 20 years into America. Yeah. <laughs> I loved that it was just so 18 old. 18 years yeah. into America. Oh, um, uh, yes. But um, so they're, they're having the big thing. And yeah. so then they decide, oh, we're going to pull the prank and make her look bad so that they fire her, basically. And the day of, um, Jeremy Pivens and his friends pull off, you know, they, they get her out of the way by releasing the, the mascot and they, uh, Jeremy Pivens takes the mic and then he leads this, you know, he gives this rousing speech about how it used to be us against them. And now it's us against us. And, you know, let's not do that. Let's, let's, you know, Let's say it one time, just for this one time. We're not gonna protest. <laughs> and then he leads and then just the slowly chant. in the perfect in the in the perfect presentation because he's Jeremy Piven and he does that slow. It's it's a, his version of the slow clap, right? Yeah. So he slowly starts chanting, "We're not gonna protest. We're not gonna protest." And just you eventually have the entire. Oh, and like we talked about earlier, she comes out with the. Uh, placards, the pop-out placards. Yes, oh, I love that. Yeah. I, I guffawed. She's yeah, like, oh yeah, I'm ready for thing. this. And uh, God, there is a tool. Yeah. No, yes. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, and speaking of things that are in our culture, I don't know if this is if this is where this is first used, and I, it probably isn't. I'd imagine it's much older than this. But when right before the bicentennial presentation or ceremony, when the members of the pit are actually being kicked off the property. David Spade says to them, get off my lawn. Oh, I don't know. And I, it was one of my rewatchings just this past week when you called me and we, you know, we decided to do this. I watched it. And I was like, Oh my God, that's a, he just said, get off my lawn. And I don't know where get off my lawn came from. I have no idea. I just know that we use it all the time. And well, I think I've, that's usually when the, that was usually the old neighbor in the neighborhood. Exactly were, right, but I think what was it? They were chasing off. It was like a Dennis the Menace thing, maybe. Like I was maybe, trying to think yeah. back to like where it originated, like in entertainment thing, right? Because "Get off my lawn," as far as I'm concerned, is a, a phrase as old as time. Like right, right. But it's only in more modern times that it's become almost a sarcastic. 
throwback right. to like if you want to pretend you're old and cranky, ah, get off my lawn. Mm-hmm. I don't right. understand right. new rap music. Get off my lawn. Exactly. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that is interesting. That is interesting. Well, there's a there's a moment um, here where. Uh, Jeremy Pivens gives his speech, which I actually thought was a really nice speech. It made me want to find that clip and send it around to everyone. And uh, and then David Spade gets up and he starts giving his like weird racist Republican like, you know, I'm tired of the hippie. You know, he starts telling off Jeremy Pivens like, you hippies, I'm sick of you guys taking over everything, and like the blacks, oh, the are, dirty sick hippies, yeah. the butt pirates. Yeah, the butt yes. pirates, like every the offensive thing. And he called, and he Thank says, you, you yes. and he, he says to Jeremy Pivens, I'm sick of you liberals. And I was like, holy shit, Jeremy Pivens a liberal in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a little bit of a plot hole going on here, though, because, you know, while he's, he's unloading on all these different groups and then you know jeremy unfolds his arms and shows him that he had the microphone and everybody heard this well the whole crowd turns on david spade at that moment yeah except throughout the movie he was referred to as hitler and everything else because he already hated all these people and everybody knew he already hated them so what's the why are they all angry now when they already uh, I guess, hated him. I guess that. they heard because they heard it out loud or something. It's like now everyone knows that everyone knows, so they got to make it's a show he, of it. It's because he said extra mean names, extra stuff, extra mean. He well, was I just, saying, I just thought it was yeah, fascinating no, right. that, that is, he that thought that definitely that he, a plot hole. I just thought it was fascinating that he called accused Jeremy Pivens of being too liberal, and in 2018, Jeremy Pivens' point of view in this movie would be considered quite conservative. Very conservative. Yes, yes I just thought that exactly. was hilarious. I was like, "What? He's a liberal?" <laughs> I was like, "That is not in my 2018 lens. That is not what he is." <laughs> nope. If this movie would be were to be made today, Jeremy Pivens' character would be wearing a MAGA hat. He'd be Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. He'd be baby Rush Limbaugh. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was funny. And um, and then I also thought, you know, there's no way that Jeremy Pivens would get up there and start whitesplaining and mansplaining. And then those two old white men fired President Garcia Thompson. That wouldn't happen. Oh, no. No, you can't fire a woman. And yeah, she no, probably has tenure. Right. And she's, if she's a Garcia Thompson, then she's also a diversity hire, so you can't get rid of that for tax reasons. Yeah, she'll she's she's anchored. She's not going anywhere. Yeah, no. If this was... if this movie was made in 2018, the Katie girl would have been the hero. Yeah, like it would have been the sophomore with the nice butt that the prefrosh had a crush on. That would have been the one who you know <laughs> got up and gave the speech and like brought it. You know that she would have been the one. It, w- it would have been a, a minority female. Would have been the person who saved the day. Yeah, You're, the 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 white mansplaining of Jeremy Piven would not have done it. No, and I don't think. Uh, okay, so we're we're coming to the end here. We need to start wrapping this up. And typically, um, at the end of shows like this, I like to to say, "Could we make this movie today?" And if we did, who would star in it? And I and I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, you know, you wouldn't put a Jeremy Piven in if you were going to remake this, and you could remake it. It it couldn't 
It couldn't be Jeremy Piven. And even that in itself is fascinating because just four or five years ago, Ari Gold was, you know, just an, uh, an incredibly popular character and people laughed at him. And I just read an article not two months ago talking about how, you know, we would never, ever uh, greenlight an Ari Gold character in 2018. And this was only a few years ago. Right. So I don't think it would be a Jeremy Piven that would star in a movie like this were it to be remade today. But I don't know. No, it would be it would be Lenny Kravitz and Lisa Bonet's kid. Oh, Cry. what's her name? Zoe, <laughs> Zoe, Zoe Kravitz. Zoe. Yeah, it would be Zoe she is so <laughs> friggin' dull. <laughs> I can't stand her. Uh, I don't know, so and I don't even know if here. he could make it. Yeah, Brett. Too much of this is now today accurate, you know, where you yeah. know, it was everything was broad and they were making fun of this stuff. Well, it's all gone so far ahead. The only way you could do this movie today is as a reboot and the protesters would be the heroes and you would have to probably cast the people in the pit as the enemy that yeah. has to be beaten down. They would, you know, probably be either Trump supporters or. Renegade libertarians or something, and they would have to be cast in the villain role. Basically, David Spade's role will have to graduate into the pit and yeah. be a threat to their right to protest. Perhaps. And it would be far less funny as a result. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You you're know, right. That's how. That's how the movie would. That's how the story would ended up being told. I do. Oh, I think crazy. you're right. I do see um, glimpses of that type of irreverent humor but in uh maybe like tv shows and it can only come from the group that's being made fun of so what comes to mind right now is the show difficult people on hulu which is billy eichhorn's show who's a really popular gay comic actor and his best friend i can't remember her name but they're hilarious um and they kind of play themselves in New York, struggling entertainers in New York, and Billy works in a coffee shop, like most struggling actors in New York, and the one of the characters that they make the most fun of is this militant transgender activist waitress who everything is... You know, if you drop the cup, it's like, oh, are you dropping that cup so that I'll bend over so you can see if I tuck it or not? Well, much my people have been on the forefront. You know, it's like everything is and it's just like it's a caricature. But Billy Eichhorn is gay, so he can write that character Without much trouble, or that I would think about the same as like Gronish, how Gronish really does make fun of the different like black groups on campus. Um, but could a could Jeremy Piven write that show? You know, no. Mm. Well, that almost sounds like Icorn's uh, like a what he was doing on Parks and Recreation, where he was just like angry and shouting about just the most minor things. I wish he would bring that character back and make it a show. I love that show. That I love crazy. that character. I mean, I haven't seen the Hulu show crazy, because crazy. ever since they protested the Laura Ingram program, then I took them off my Roku and I refused to watch anything on them again. Okay, Brad. You're... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I... I... <sighs> 
Uh, in the, in terms of whether you could make this movie, I'm just remembering. I have a I have an older brother who is oh god, 12 years older than I am, and I remember at some point in the late 90s, I was in high school and he was home from whatever he was doing. He couldn't he 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 was graduated from college. I don't know where he was. He was in the navy or something. And I showed him this movie, and he did not like it he was like <laughs> he was angry he was like this is offensive these are real issues these people like he, he didn't think it was funny at all and i remember it was one of those moments being like how do you not think this movie is funny i must have been 16 or 17 years old and so he was uh what is 28 29 like 20 something around there i just it blew my mind that he wouldn't think he's like this is not it's not funny why would you make fun of these people these are real causes that people like care about and it's not funny to make fun of it I'm like, but it is funny. Uh, so I mean, yeah. that was so that was that was 20 years ago. Can you imagine wow. if something like this came out now? The outrage that would ensue. Well, I mean, look at our environment now. We we have a comedian of all things. A comedian put out a documentary saying the character of Apu on The Simpsons is offensive. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's where we are today. I and Apu is true. one of the greatest characters on Simpsons. I mean, please. What's well, offensive I'm, about a home, a business owner that loves his work and is good to his community? Well, somebody said that he's stuck in a dead end job. And I was like, have you watched The Simpsons at all? Because everybody has the same damn job. They had 600 plus episodes ago. <laughs> the kids are still in third grade. I was going to say, like, everybody's still the same age and everything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's in a dead end job because it's a timeless program, you dumbass. Yeah. I mean, come this on. all ties this all ties into the serious problem of what things that the entertainment industry has done to the brain, where like people think that, you know, a lion is Simba. You know, like when you, they look at a lion, they think it's like a creature with like inherent human, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that is mm-hmm. like has human characteristics. There's no they look at The Simpsons and they think it's a reflection of the real world. It's like it's a timeless cartoon. Stop. Yeah. yeah. Like, stop. Yeah. I mean, well, we you... also have people telling us when we, you know, when the meme of Harambe was going around and it became the, you know, a punchline for everything. And there were people that were saying it was offensive. Mm. To whom? Yeah. Monkeys? I guess gorillas, yeah. Yeah, who Can't was it? Gorillas. To? I guess. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, and then Adam Carolla is has also. Um, well, I don't know if he's released it yet, but he was working on a documentary about. Um, oh, Prager, yeah. Yeah, about not being able to play college campuses anymore, and even Chris Rock has come out and said, "I I don't do college campuses anymore," even though that's traditionally been the bread and butter for a lot of younger comedians you know when you come up the college campus crowd is great to test new material on and there's so many college kids in in the the country that you know that's like easy money and um he's like no i can't go to college campuses anymore because you just get you know you get protested you like i expect people like Okay, I get it. You're going to protest like Ben Shapiro or whatever conservative person that you don't like. Um, I I don't agree with it, but I can understand the thinking behind it. But to protest a comedian is just really, it's beyond me. So even to, um, yeah, just the idea of somebody making a movie like this and making fun of Students who, I mean, I just read that story the other day about the University of Utah has a cry closet 
where you go in, oh, yeah, like wow. a little space in the library and it has pillows and stuffed animals in it. And if you need to cry during finals and you go into the cry closet, you get 10 minutes and you can cry. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like the, mm. this is, this is not the crowd that, that you could sell a PCU to. Those things right. are gone. Well, and that's the whole, I mean, that's the, the climactic point of this, right? Is that you've got this sort of, um, uh, despite all of the issue differences and pet project differences, everybody's brought together by this musician, this artist. And here we are in this world, like, we can't even come together over a comedian. We can't even, like, have, no one can even have fun anymore. We can't even, we can't even have a PCU moment anymore. Yeah, because I mean, even when a comedian tries to go be funny, they get protested. And we desperately need a PCU moment, I think. We need it, yes. We need a, well, did a giant you see house the, party. Uh, moment, it was a few years ago in uh, University of Michigan where there was a big game coming up. So Jim Harbaugh was going to show American Sniper on campus to pump everybody up and, you know, and build up. And there was a wave of protest, as you can imagine these days, because it was, you know, Everything from violent to jingoistic to celebrating our war efforts overseas. They protested enough to have it removed. And then Jim Harbaugh turned around and said, fine, we're going to play Paddington for you people. You know, it was just literally threw it right in their face and said, here you go. Kids movie. Shut up. And uh, it it sums up campus life today. They, They just cannot have any divergent opinion at all. College doesn't sound fun anymore. Like when I said earlier, I was watching this, and I was like, oh, those college days were so heady, and you could find a party anywhere. I mean, I, mean, I, don't, I remember the days, guys, when it was like, there's not a, well, maybe now a days, but back when we were in college, I mean, and I know I didn't have, you know, internet and streaming and social media apps, none of that. You made your own fun. You had to go make it, and you did. You know, you you found, like in college, you found stupid things to do. Some were dangerous, some were dumb, you know, but you you found your people and then you always found some kind of other people, you know, to at least party with for a night. You know, I, I, I yep. wasn't into jocks and football play. I mean, ironically, I ended up marrying a jock football player, but I wasn't into that in college. But, you know, if there was beer and music... Those guys were my best friends, you know? Yes. And it's like... Yeah, I was to- totally not into the jock crowd, but I definitely would always go to the rugby parties. Yeah. Could you do that? Does that even happen? On, I mean, I, can't, I haven't been on a college campus in forever. Does that even happen these days? I don't know. We need it to happen. I can't imagine so. Like, I honestly can't even imagine. I can't imagine what it would be like for a group of... I hate using the term millennials, but let's just say twenty young twenty somethings, like because it's not it's you know that's what we're talking about, getting together and partying, like because it, just like we've been talking about everything, everything's an issue, everything's a. So what do you do when you get a whole bunch of people in the room together? You just risk run the risk that somebody might have a disagreement or say something or do something that might offend somebody else. I mean, oh god, it sounds like you exhausting. have to have like something written in triplicate to get permission to do anything. You want to do shots? Well, here, sign this waiver. You know, right. it's that kind of crap that goes yeah. on too because yes. they have all these campus consoles that you can go report to and then you can get kicked off campus and then maybe they'll let you back on six months later if they find nothing. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, the the prime example, look, look at what's going on uh, University of Missouri, you know, when they had 
all those you know protests were making national news and it was a racist campus right their their enrollment plummeted yeah i mean like 40 percent or something and the college is like suffering money-wise now they're letting teachers and administration go because everybody just bailed out of that place it became so weird yeah, because they're the, doing the, it for themselves. The inmate, they let the inmates take over the asylum, <laughs> and it's like I know as a parent that doesn't make me feel good to to spend money to send my kid at a place like that, and particularly as a black parent, I, I do, you know, I do find some concern in um, some of the the ways that we treat sexual harassment or rape claims on campus because I. I, you know, we automatically ascribe so much power to the victim these days, which I think, in fairness, is an overcorrection to the days when the victim was never believed, you know. So to be fair, I get why it tipped over, but it tipped over way too far. I'm sending my black son to a campus that, in all likelihood, is he's going to be a minority at. Yeah, it makes me nervous. <laughs> it makes me right. nervous that we're... We're placing so much trust on the victim without proof um, that, and then I'm going to send my black son to a place where I'm also being told that he's at risk because just for being black and that everywhere he goes, there's somebody in the shadows waiting to, you know, shoot him or attack him. And it's like, I don't know which, what am I supposed to do? Like, which, which scenario am I supposed to be more scared of? <laughs> Am I supposed to be scared are you supposed of, to be afraid the... of him as a man or are you right. supposed to be afraid of him as a black person? Yeah, it's I very just don't know. Scary. I don't know. So <laughs> I do get He's nervous. an intersectional <laughs> threat. I yes. get nervous about that kind of stuff. And the rules are always changing and it makes me nervous for him. So, uh, sure. yeah. So I don't know. I guess uh, it's interesting. It was really interesting to watch this movie in the context of 2018. Um, I still thought it was hilarious. And I think that this movie needs a renaissance. I think it needs to come back. Like Friends or High Waisted Jeans. You know, it needs to make a comeback. And well, what was, the, what was and that big story have, going like, sharper around? sharper knives, too. Yes, that's true. Um, when uh, kids found Friends on Netflix or Amazon or whatever, and they were like, this is, you know... A homophobic racist, like, oh my god, I can't believe this was actually on TV. Like, oh, this is such a. Can you imagine if kids today saw this movie? No, that's why I want kids today to see yes. this movie. <laughs> yes, exactly. Did, yeah. We need. I mean, I think someone needs to contact Jeremy Piven because Jeremy Piven was a part of the um, Perf Parade. Somebody accused him of something. Nothing ever came of it, and he yeah. he mm-hmm. immediately outright denied it. He's like, that never happened. Like, da da da, and it went away. Nothing ever came of it. I don't know. I. I believe Jeremy Piven because I love Jeremy Piven, but I know I have a biased opinion. Um, but, you know, he might be mad enough that he's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's. He might be. Let's... I think he was one of the few people that handled it right. Like, if you get accused like yep. that, then you don't come out and give some pussy statement about like, oh, you know, I have a lot of respect for women. And if I did anything to offend anyone, I'm so sorry. And I don't think that this is the time for me to make my voice heard. I'm going to step aside and let the women be heard. No, you come out and say, no, I didn't freaking do that. I'm not that kind of monster. Yep. You know, that's what you do. You deny it, deny, deny strongly. Now, from what I have heard through the grapevine about Jerry Piven, he is a bit of a rake. And so it doesn't, it didn't surprise me that there were women out there with that story. But I don't know that that's the same thing as being 
like a harasser, um, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, well, right. Because, well, there, yeah, I, mean, I mean, again, that's another issue in and of itself is where do you that's draw all, that line? That's up to interpretation, too, because rake right. is a description I would apply to myself. I've, I've used that exact term to describe myself. Sure. Gentleman rake is the term where you give me a woman who's gorgeous. Guess what? I'm going to say that woman's gorgeous. You're going to hit on her. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I don't apologize about it either. It's not, you know, it's, well, there's more about her. You know, she's got a personality and she's well read. Well, you know what? I'm 40 feet away and she's across the bar. I have no idea what book likes are at this moment, but she looks hot as hell in that dress. You know, that's 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 yes. the way it works at that yes. stage. It's like right now, that's what I'm looking at. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Apologize. I think and that's why a lot of the women hate me for it. Yeah. And I think Piven also is kind of a brat. You know, he grew up, like I said, he grew up in Chicago royalty. Cusack, too. Like a lot of people have a lot of stories about John Cusack. But I think that they, they were more like rich and affluent. Like they had more affluenza than like <laughs> being rapists. You know what I mean? I think there's a difference. So. I believe some people were put off by Jeremy Piven's behavior, and I believe he probably is really arrogant. But I, I don't believe he's, I don't think he's a rapist or anything like that. And I think you're right, Sarah. I think he should, we should, we need a resurgence. We need to see what he thinks of this. See, would he bring this back? You know, we, we need, right. it would be a great experience, uh, experiment to show this film to some younger kids and just yes. see what they think. Yes, I think so too. I think it would be very useful. Well, but, and well, here's the, here's the thing is it's one of those things that even Republicans are made of. This movie wouldn't be able to be made today and it wouldn't be well received today because when they like make fun of Republicans, it's done in an actual like human sort of way. Right. You know, like right. everybody who's mocked is mocked in this very humane kind of we're just, it's just fun, right? We're all, we're making jokes. Like none of, none of it is aggressive or hurtful. And yeah. Yeah. It's more like every, no one's safe. Everyone's on no the table. Safe. Yes. Yes. Everyone's on the table. And, uh, you know, David Spade is a ridiculous Republican, not a murderous Republican, you know? Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. He just wears Dockers. And I think there is one thing in there about him being Hitler's cameraman or something. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> uh, Hitler's cameraman or they were at a Klan meeting or so. There was a yes. couple of things. Oh, no, he, he, uh, he's the pilot of Hitler's catamaran. I think it was. Oh, one. is that what he it was? was? Piloting his boat or something of that nature. Oh, that's right. It was Hitler's catamaran. And then at one point, Melania. He did say something like, he said like, oh, uh, the Klan rally must have got out early or something like that. That Yeah, I mean, repeatedly, (laughs) you know, they're throwing the same lines that we get every day on Twitter already. It's like, (laughs) oh, look at you, you're a Klansman. It's like, well, look at you, you're an unoriginal dork who's using the lines from 30 years ago. Okay. (laughs) All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up. We're running long, and I know it's getting late where you guys are at. So I want to thank you for uh, bringing this movie to us, Sarah. It was fun to watch again, even through the purse filter. Um, And Brad, thank you so much for joining us. Brad, where can people find you um, online if they want to follow you on Twitter, if they want to find your um, movie and culture writing? Well, um, they can check me out on Twitter. I'm at Martini Shark. And if you go to Red State, look me up there. Most of my articles are in the movie vein. And I also have a podcast with fellow writer Sarah Lee. We cover where Hollywood and politics cross over with each other. It's called Marble Halls and Silver Screens. And people should know, Brad, um, that you're a dirty, dirty Republican. 
Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, okay. I don't want to say Republican, conservative, I'll say. Ugh, gross. Um, uh, but anyways, well, we're going to edit out. We're going to edit out all of your comments on this show, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're going to erase. Oh, I didn't know you worked. Wasn't where you worked for Twitter. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yes. Uh, so don't be shocked if you go over and you see Brad talking about uh, things uh, that aren't so politically correct. Uh, I love. Um, I love talking with Brad about entertainment and politics. Um, we have a fun time when we do it. So go ahead and make sure you check out his podcast specifically, um, Marble Halls and Silver Screens. You'll enjoy that. Um, and Sarah, where can people fo- follow you or find you or find stuff you work on? Or do you want people to find you? Maybe you don't. Well, people can find me. Uh, people, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mama Swati, M-A-M-A-S-W-A-T-I, because my name is Sarah Smith and that was taken. Basically. Okay. <laughs> um, you you can find my stuff all over the place. We, I work for a video production firm, so yeah, there's you know uh, there's stuff out there that I work on. I'm more, I'm I'm a, I'm a behind the scenes kind of gal. Yes, and you're very good at it. And so I thank you for yeah. coming, you know, to the front of the scene, so to speak, to uh, discuss this movie with us. And maybe we do need to talk more about getting a, a screening of PCU together, just see how people react to it. In 2018. I thought it might be kind of fun. I think, I think it would be a valuable thing. I think so, too. You guys, thank you so much for taking the time and staying up late to be with us. I appreciate it. Of course, I'm Kira Allen, and you can find me at Kira Creates on Twitter. Uh, you can also find, uh, follow this uh, podcast on Twitter at HiPods, H-I-Pods. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and give us a give us a like, give us a rating. We've got um, lots of fun movies that we've talked about in the past. This is another one, and we appreciate it when you just give us a thumbs up and even make a comment. It helps us a lot. You can also contribute to our tip jar. Uh, which is um, included in the link to this show in the show notes. You can always find that. And, of course, um, follow everything over at Phantom Sway. And don't forget to keep on top of all the happenings with my short film, Minty, which, uh, fingers crossed, is going to debut in July. And we're still fundraising to help just finish up with some of the posts uh, post production work so you can go to our GoFundMe page and you can find that at the Harry Tubman movie or Minty whichever you search you'll find that thank you to everyone who's contributed so far and we're really looking forward to getting that film to you uh, until next time peace Phantom Sway we're the counterculture you just don't know it yet phantomsway.com